you have a question about your home? Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single family homes up and down the East Coast. And now, Ken the contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. We have ants in the kids' bedroom. So I'm wondering, should we maybe spray the perimeter of the house on the outside, or is this something we tackle on the inside? Or Well, the professional exterminators, and I've worked with them for many years, will do both. They're going to spray the inside along the baseboard. They will also spray the outside of the home. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. Remember, a house is what you build, a home is what you make it. And Ken is here to help you deal with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. I'm Jim Britt, and if you've got a question for Ken, you can always reach him at 800-614-2975. That contact number again is 800-614-2975 or Send us your questions. You can forward them to the website, KenTheContractor.com. Well, for several months now, I've been reminding everybody that the housing market is changing, and indeed it continues to. Numbers out just in the last few days confirm that building permits for single-family homes, duplexes, and apartments are at the highest level we have seen in years. We see that inventory continues to dwindle in terms of new homes as well as existing homes. So more and more of you are ready to enter the marketplace. Those of you that have been sitting on the sidelines for the last few years saying, we're just going to wait until the market comes back before we sell. I've talked to so many of you that are saying, now is the time for me, but I've got all these things to do around the house. And it's interesting, as I hear your comments and those from some other close friends and relatives that talk about doing the same thing, I do an awful lot of reading on what's going on in the industry and other people that also write columns that are involved with the National Association of Home Builders and so forth. We all are seeing the positive signs that we have wanted to see for a long period of time. But I was reading an article the other day by a syndicated columnist, uh, Marnie Jamison, and I want to read just a paragraph that I really had to stop and chuckle and laugh about. Then I'm going to talk to you about the things that really matter or should matter if you're getting ready to put your home on the market. And in her article, she says, the new paint makes the cabinets look bad. The new cabinets make the appliances look bad. The new appliances make the floor look bad. And the new kitchen makes the bathroom seem dated. And pretty soon, you're fixing up your neighbor's house. Well, folks, I had to chuckle at her article because that is so true when it comes time to sell our home. Every time we touch something, we're saying, hey, this looks pretty good. I've lived with it for 10 years, and I thought it was okay, but now it really shines. This looks great, but it makes something else look worse than it really is. And it's important to us when we get ready to sell that we establish priorities, where we want to spend our money, but first we need to sit down and say what's reasonable. We need to establish that budget, not unlike building new. Now we're talking about repairing and fixing things to offer what you always hear me talk about, curb appeal. Because if you can't get people in the house, you have no chance to get a contract. And once you get them in, if the place is falling apart, and are there some simple things you can do, they're driven off before they can become a serious potential buyer for your home. So I, I want you to do some very simple things if you're thinking about entering the sales market, signing that listing agreement for your home with your realtor. And that is first to sit down and be very serious, be very candid as, as you, your spouse, your family members. If you're by yourself, it doesn't matter. But I want you to be honest with yourself and put a list together of things that really matter, not things that you desire, not that I'm really tired of this particular color carpet. I think if I replace it, it'll be more appealing to another 
person to a buyer, if you will. I want you to think about things that matter. Do you have leaks in the kitchen faucet? Does that toilet tank constantly run in the half bath? Uh, do you have uh, floodlights that don't work? How about a lamp or something, not a lamp, but a built-in fixture somewhere else in the house, maybe sagging or deformed blades on a fan that's on your outside porch because moisture has taken its toll over so many years. These are things that matter that are really noticed by potential home buyers that also bring you up to a level of having a decent amount of curb appeal, but it doesn't break the bank. I want to give you an example. Because you have an old ceiling fan on that back porch, the ceiling fan may work great. You may need to get up there and clean it, get some of the dirt, the airborne dirt that has settled on the housing off of it. And you say, well, these blades are twisted. They're warped. They don't look great. The paint's flaking off of them. I'll go buy a new fan. Why would you go spend $100 to buy a new fan and either have to wire it yourself or hire an electrician when you can simply go down and spend $20 and buy a new set of fan blades? You can do that yourself and clean the fan housing. So those are some things that should go on your list. I'm just trying to give you an idea of what I want you to think about. So I want you to be serious as you go inside the house, and then I want you to go outside the house, and I want you to sit in your car. I want you to sit at the roadway or the driveway, and I want you to view your house like anyone else will as they drive down the road looking at that for sale sign. Is it attractive enough to get people to stop and want to look? So you're going to be looking at things outside then, are the shrubs and the trees, are they pruned? These are things you can do yourself. You don't have to hire a landscaper or an expert to deal with this. Is there flaking paint on the block work or on the trim? Do I have wood that has come loose? How about the soffit and fascia, the gutter and downspout, which I talked about just recently on a program? Do I have shingles that are missing? Do all the outside lights work? Because I'll tell you, when I buy property, I look at it daytime, nighttime. There are things that are revealed at nighttime when lights are on, too, that you can't see in the daytime. Uh, so I want you to pay attention to all of these things that are quite simple. Do they function? Now, the things that don't, the things that need attention, that's what goes on your list. And some of it may involve you spending a few dollars. It may be that you've got a light fixture that was damaged on the outside because of a fallen limb. You've got to replace that. $20 item. You can do it yourself as long as you turn the power off. Again, I talked to you about fans. Things that you're saying, I really need a new shower door, for example, because this one just has all kinds of buildup from water deposits, the mineral, over the years. Do you know you can clean that and you can make it look new again? How about those grout joints in the ceramic tile in your shower and the surround on the tub? You could make those look new again without having to replace the tile or the surrounds. Also, there's so many things we know we can do with just painting and cleaning. Things that we don't typically do because we forget about it or we're saying we live with it and we just don't see it in our household. So that's the big thing you have to do is establish a list. Then you need to establish a budget and you need to stay with that just like building because you can wind up just like this article said where eventually you've improved so many things in your home getting ready to sell that there's no way you're going to make any return on that house. You've spent so much money and you may finally say, this place just looks too good now compared to the neighbors. What can I do about them? That isn't where you want to be. List, list, list. I'm big on those lists, and if you follow those lists, you're going to find that you can sell the house, you create the curb appeal, you get people to stop, you get them to come inside the home. And frankly, in the meantime, while you're still there, you enjoy it a whole lot more than you did before. So do yourself a favor when it comes time to market your home and put that for sale sign out front. Be ready, and be ready to bring these buyers in in droves. And as you've talked about, sometimes it's the very small little things that kind of give a tip off to somebody who's thinking about buying. Well, if they didn't take care of this, 
What else didn't they take care of? You know, in, in a, a small example can be an electric element on a stovetop. One works. I mean, three work. One does not. For $15, you can go down and replace that yourself. But they're saying, if you let this go and you live with it, what else doesn't work in the house that I have to discover? Yeah, because remember, they want to open those closets. They want to take a look at everything. This is a big purchase for them. And you have to put yourself in the position of a buyer. You're going to do the same thing when you leave this house and you get ready to buy your next property. So see it through their eyes. That's why I said start out in your car sitting at the curb in front of your house. See what it looks like. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Well, you can always reach us here on Ken the Contractor. Our contact number is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. Back with more right after this. Welcome back. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time to take your calls. The number to dial if you have a question for Ken is one 800 1-800-614-2975. That's 1-800-614-2975. Let's go to the phone lines right now. And joining us right now is Darlene. Hi, Darlene. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi. I have a question. Um, I'd like to know your opinion on the, um, I'm going to call it a portable air conditioner. Uh, it's an air conditioner that you set in the room with you where you are. Right. Uh, what do you think about those? For short-term use, I would say it's fine. If you're looking for something you're going to use year after year after year, that's not going to be your most energy-effective way of cooling. But also, if that is the only way of cooling, meaning you don't have enough uh, electrical service without having to spend maybe thousands of dollars to redo the electrical service in your home, but this works on 110 volt. It plugs into a wall outlet, and it's, uh, it provides you with what you need. As long as you follow the manufacturer's instructions, most of these today have coils in them, that, like your refrigerator, that, evap- that cause the condensation to be evaporated. Just be sure you don't end up in, with one that does not so that you're dumping water on the floor. And if it has to be discharged to the outside, you want to follow those manufacturer's instructions. But they do serve a good purpose. I just don't think long-term, the ones I'm familiar with, that it's the most economical way to cool. If it's if it's sort of spot cooling, an extra crowd, or uh, you, you really don't like cooling, but on the hottest days of the year you want to turn this on, my opinion would be that's the way to go. It's going to be economical for you and still serve a purpose. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Darlene. And a very timely question because we're uh, forecasting temperatures in the mid to upper 80s for a lot of our listeners, and we're going to get back into those those cooling questions again very quickly. Well, we are, and I have a few other email questions that have come to me recently also regarding air conditioning. And just a, a quick, simple answer for many of you that are thinking about this, just because the system worked when you turned it off last fall doesn't mean it's going to work when you turn it on this spring. That's why you always hear me talk about seasonal maintenance on your furnace, on your air conditioning system. Sometimes the gremlins just get into it when you, after you've turned it off and you're saying it worked great. But anyway, think about a little home maintenance. And I'll tell you, you do not want to have to call your heating and cooling contractor on a Sunday afternoon when you've got a house full of people and those temperatures start punching 90 degrees uh, because, A, it'll cost you an arm and a leg, and, B, you're going to be in line behind a lot of other folks. Well, you will, and even on an emergency call, there are going to be several other people ahead of you with that particular company, and generally you can add an extra zero to the check when you write it. Right. Let's go back to the phones at 800-614-2975. This is Chris joining us. Hi, Chris. You're on the air with Ken. Go right ahead. 
Oh, thanks for taking my call. Ken, we, my wife and I, we live at an old farmhouse. It's about 230 years old. We've done a lot of work over the years adding air conditioning. And through the years uh, since we've been here now, the house has started to settle, and the farmhouse is three bricks thick, and there are no studs, and the material on the walls is horsehair fiber-type plaster really old, and we've got cracks that we'd like to, you know, fill in and uh, repair and then paint. Is there any uh, special treatment that we need to do once we start uh, working on the walls, especially with this old material? Well, is it simply the plaster walls that are exposed today that you're dealing with? Yes, inside, okay. yes. the, the uh, it's, it's painted over, but... That was done about 20 years ago, and with that earthquake, too, we've got a little uh, cracking, but nothing major. But uh, through the years with settling, the expansion, contraction with the heat and the cold, we've noticed they're getting a little, little bigger. So we want to fill them in and repaint, but we need to do anything special with this old, old material. Do you have any substantial cracks in the corners or even in the center of the walls? When I say substantial, have they opened to a quarter of an inch or something along those lines? No, no, a lot less. Okay, Uh, so you're looking, these are hairline cracks. These are sixteenth of an inch or smaller then. Yes, uh uh-huh. Okay. First, I want you to check on the outside of the house and be sure you don't have a structural issue that's coming through on these old plaster walls. And and you've told me how old it is, the fact that you've got fibers, especially when you have horse hair in that plaster, that dates it. That tells you how it was made. You're typically going to have at least three coats uh, on top of uh, either a brick direct or interior walls would be a wood lath. And they're going to have a scratch coat and a brown coat and then a finish coat. What I would ask you to check, as I said first, is be sure you don't have any structural issues on the outside where you may see substantial mortar joint or stone issues where those cracks could be coming all the way through the wall. On an well, we went, we went out outside, uh, like you said. Uh, we don't see anything along those lines, so we think we're pretty safe there. Okay. Then, for the most part, joints that are very small you can repair, and there are so many different materials from caulk that's made for plaster walls to even plaster repair materials, but they've got to be extremely small. If you have something that's moving, that opens, expands, and contracts, you're going to have to end up putting a mesh or a tape or something over that before you can have it stay in place. Now, if you have joints that are opening up inside the corners where interior walls meet exterior walls, and that's largely due to just the expansion and contraction at different rates, you're going to have to come back again with a mesh tape or a plaster repair product. If you go to one of your local, this will be a wholesale house. This will not be one of your ordinary retail stores. But if you go to one of the local wholesale houses that handle drywall and plaster materials, but they're going to specialize in drywall materials, most all will handle will, will stock these products for plaster repair. Okay. Uh, but you're not going to find it, again, over-the-counter in most of your ordinary stores. That's so, good to know. I appreciate that. So, I mean, that's where contractors would go. Also, if this is more than you want to tackle yourself, place a value on your time running around looking for these materials, you may want to seek out someone that specializes in plaster repair. And that's hard to come by today in most communities because people with plaster homes, uh, plaster walls in their homes, have a greater tendency to just cover them up with drywall, with wall covering, with other elements. You want to leave that exposed. You want to leave the beauty of the old home, it sounds like, and go back and repaint it, but have the finish look good. Yes. Uh-huh. 
So Absolutely. So, again, place a value on your time and determine whether or not you need to contact somebody that specializes in plaster repair. And if you do, these same wholesale houses can make some recommendations to you on two bases. One, for somebody they know pays their bills, so they're not going to recommend you to a deadbeat. And secondly, someone that buys product doing plaster repairs more often than others. So it's not a, a, a novice, somebody learning how to do this, but somebody that does this for a living and as a career. Those are always good sources for me when I need specialty trades, somebody that may not, you know, an item I run across occasionally but not very often. Well, that's good food for thought. Now, we put a lot of time and effort and money into this house, uh, so that's, uh, that's information well worth uh, hearing. I appreciate that. Well, I think you're on the right track. This is a little bit like restoration. Take some more time with it. Do it right. Certainly enjoy your living environment. Well, we've been doing it for 23 years now, so what's, a, what's another couple of years? What's another couple of years? I agree. Well, okay. Thanks for your call. Much, we appreciate it. Much appreciated. Bye-bye. Thank you, Chris. Don't forget, if you'd like to reach Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, you can reach him anytime at the number 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can also reach Ken through his website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Quick break, and then right back with more with Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who's designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects, as well as single-family homes up and down the East Coast. He's also owned his own construction company for over 30 years, and now he brings his experience to the radio and the Internet to help you deal with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. A couple different ways that you can get your questions to Ken. Either give us a call at 800-614-2975 or email your questions to our website, kenthecontractor.com. And Louise has a, an email question for us, Ken, that is not that out of the ordinary. That's something that a lot of folks probably in our audience try to have to deal with every now and then. She wants to know how to paint ceramic tile. Yeah, that's a question we get occasionally, but not very often. Said We're restoring an old cabin, and the tub shower in our bathroom looks awful. Some kind of mold or mildew is black in the grout, and nothing gets it off, not even straight bleach or steel wool. And on top of that, whoever installed the shower did a messy job, so the grout smeared. Now, this is where she goes with this. We don't want to have to replace the whole thing. Is there some kind of paint or stain that works on plastic shower stalls and will cover the black stains? Now, first, Louise, what you have done here, I think, in your email is you've mixed two possibilities, so I have to address both of these quickly because you're asking me, one, you're saying grout, which is common to ceramic tile, and then you're also talking about plastic shower stalls, and then you're asking if it can be painted or what gets it off. So I'm going to give create some generic answers here and answer this also on the website. First, if you are dealing with a, uh, a ceramic or a porcelain, there is a process of preparing that tile to actually clean the tile and to paint the tile. Now, it's a fairly involved process. It's like anything else that I tell you and everybody else about. The work is going to be in the prep. It's not so much in the final application of that finished coat. So you want to get with your local paint store. You want to tell them what you are doing, and they will point you in the direction of the specific paints that you need. But you're also going to need some fine steel wool or fiberglass or uh, sandpaper. You're going to have to sand the glaze off of the tile, and you're going to have to prep it properly and still have to clean this mold and mildew if you've got a grout issue because that will bleed through most of these paints again. So first, since you've got sort of a combined question, you're asking, can we paint this? Yes, you can. And for anyone who wants to, it's a good way to change color, but you have to use the right paint. You have to go through the proper process. I'll also post a link 
to some of the companies that specialize in this on my website, kenthecontractor.com. Now, if you're dealing with fiberglass, the same holds true. You can paint fiberglass walls. Some of the old tub shower combinations or even the newer ones are both fiberglass and acrylic, and there is a slight difference in those. There's certainly a chemical difference in those. But there's a there's a sheen or a gel coat on both, and that will prevent any paint from bonding. So you're also going to have to do a fair amount of prep work. And if these are fiberglass panels and they happen to be caulked in the corners or where the wall panel meets the tub, you're going to have to remove all of the caulking before you get into painting. So a lot of work, regardless of what you're dealing with, ceramic or fiberglass, you can handle, you can treat both with paint, do it properly, and you'll have many years of satisfaction. But if you do it wrong... You're going to kick yourself. All right, time now for In the News. Ken brings you products, trends, tips, and services that are important for you to make informed decisions about your home maintenance, purchases, remodeling, and new construction. And this is a very intriguing one. It's called the Granny Pod. Well, that's the nickname that people have given to it. And I'll tell you, that nickname has been all over the media in the last few days, and so we have to spend a little bit of time talking about this and some of the alternatives. But where this has come about, it really is this particular one, uh, article in Washington Post and uh, in Atlanta and so many other places here recently and on uh, the national uh, TV news, this particular one I want to talk about is called The Med Cottage. And it's designed by a Blacksburg company with the help of Virginia Tech and is essentially a portable hospital room. Now, there are other companies, two other companies in the nation, largely in the Northeast, that are producing something similar to this. And these are portable or modular units. But The Med Cottage is they bill it really, as I said, is a portable hospital room. Doesn't look sterile based on the pictures I've seen like that, meaning it does, it looks like a standard home, but it's extremely high tech. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia, the General Assembly has actually approved the installation of these and they treat them with a very special name. They're temporary housing basically for medical purposes so that localities can work that into their zoning ordinances because that's an issue I know that a lot of you around the country will have adding something that's a modular unit, even though it's for the sake of medical purposes, uh, for you, for a loved one, for a spouse, where they need special facilities, but you don't have the room internally, or you live in a multi-story house and you can't accommodate all of these changes that that individual happens to need. So you may want to consider a look at this med cottage, and you can go online and find more information about that. But they're really appealing to this population of over 65, and according to the Census Bureau, uh, that is the fastest growing population in the country. In less than 20 years, the number of Americans who are 65 or older will top 72 million. That's a lot of potential users, folks. Here's two stats that should open your eyes to tell you how big an issue this is going to be. The fastest growing demographic group in America is 85 plus. And statistics were just released that there were more adult diapers than diapers for babies and toddlers sold in the USA in the past year. You know, when you look at these numbers, we, we are able to to live much longer in this country through the help of medicine and health care and various things, but we have other ailments to deal with, and that's what this med cottage is designed to do. And whether you're 65 or 85 or you, you happen to have someone that's much younger that has health care issues, this can be an ideal situation for someone that needs accessible living, need to be on site with you, still need to be part of the family, not often a nursing home or health care facility somewhere, and in the long term for much less money. Now, when I tell you this, this particular unit, you're going to have sticker shock because it retails for about $85,000. Then you still have to get it to the site, set it up, build your ramps, and do other things. And they're saying generally this is about $125,000. 
But if you have someone that's going to be in long-term health care, again, it could be a middle-aged person in their 30s with a particular problem, uh, at forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year in a facility, this could be ideal and continues to integrate them, and they continue to be part of the family, and you're right there to do what you can. But the technology is amazing that's in this. I suggest all of you take a quick look at it, but that's in the news today, the Med Cottage, also known affectionately as the Granny Pod. Now, there's a couple things that caught my eye when I saw the article and read about it on the air. One was all the, the technical things that you're, you're able to do this. As you said, this basically is, for lack of a better term, a souped-up hospital room. It has the ability to monitor vital signs, different things like that. But talk for a moment about the floor, because that was really intriguing. Yeah, the floor system. And I, I want to find out more about the technical side of this. Like, let me read you a, an item regarding this flooring. And it's uh, this is a marketing strategy they have. It says the company's sales pitch includes dropping an egg onto its specially designed floor from a height of seven feet to show that the egg will not break. People think it's a rubber egg until they hold it over a hard surface and drop it from five inches and it breaks. So when you look at the technology from oxygen to computer monitors for all of your health care, everything you would have in a hospital facility, what we read about this, it is literally a portable hospital room. There are cameras and motion sensors that will pick up a fall if someone trips and falls in there and, and you're no one's right there with them. There's also a fold-out bed if they happen to have overnight nursing care or there's a time when that's needed. If you can think of it, they have it. See, to me, the most intriguing thing is that flooring. Yeah, I thought that would catch your eye and your ear when I talked about that a little earlier. It is so unique. Because just think about it. If you just dropped an egg from inches, it's going to break. They're talking about dropping it. seven egg. feet. That, that is remarkable. We'll get more on that, I know, because I know Ken's the curious type. He'll find out some more and bring it to us in an upcoming program. That's this week's edition of In the News, as Ken brings you products, trends, tips, and services that are important for you to make informed decisions about your home maintenance, purchases, remodeling, and new construction. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more of your questions, calls, and comments. For Ken, you're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time to take your calls and also answer your emails dealing with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. want to highlight our website of the week right now. And Ken, you found one that's very interesting for folks and uh, who isn't always trying to fix some type of appliance. We're trying to get more use out of our appliances before or we do have to uh, fix them to some degree. And you have found a place where we're going to challenge people. You can almost, we can't say 100%, but there's a pretty good chance that if you're looking for a part for an appliance, no matter how old it is, you may be able to find it through this website. And how many times have we spent an entire day running from hardware store to hardware store to find, or maybe an appliance store, to find that fitting, that shelf, that little door for the refrigerator, the gasket for the dishwasher, saying, that's all I need. It works just great. Great. I need a $15 gasket, and this is good for another five years. Folks, jot this down, everyappliancepart.com. That's everyappliancepart.com. And if you can't write it down now, go to my website. You know that, kenthecontractor.com. It'll be there under links. But everyappliancepart.com handles just about every brand I've ever seen in my lifetime, I will tell you. Whether you're dealing with Admiral, Hot Point, Frigidaire, Maytag, Roper, Tappan, Whirlpool, I've got a list here I don't have time to go through. Even some brands that many of you have never heard of, they've got parts for these. And it's not just for refrigerators. If it's an appliance in your home, it can be a dishwasher, a trash compactor, a microwave. 
They've got the parts for it. This is one of the most useful locations I have found for the things that are a nuisance for us, where we can get on the web, order what we need, talk to a live person if you really have a question about it as well before you place the order and have it come to the door. You hear me speak frequently about little things that can be big dollars, just like those gaskets around our refrigerators as they age, they compress. Maybe they're torn. Maybe there's an issue. Your refrigerator is running longer, running that energy cost up, and you're refrigerating the house, not the inside. You need to replace a gasket, but you're saying, I can't find one of these, and there's nobody in town that wants to fiddle with it. I want you to check this out, everyappliancepart.com. See if they can't help you with some of those home appliance maintenance issues. Yeah, we had one recently with our dryer, and I'm not even going to attempt to tell you what the technical name uh, of it was, but it allows you to close the door so you can operate the dryer, the little hook thingy and that thingy. It's just a catch for the... for the door, probably. Twelve bucks, and my wife was able to install it on her own, saved a service call, and the dryer works perfectly. And I think most of us do this. I've replaced belts on washing machines. Most people have done other things. You've got an element that burns out on your electric dryer. For most of us, if you have any mechanical skills, as long as you disconnect the water and the electric, it's real easy to do, especially little things like gaskets on a dishwasher that may be leaking. Or maybe you broke that little glass door that hides the butter in the refrigerator, or you've got one of those roll-out crisper drawers you broke and you can't find it. Check these folks out, everyappliancepart.com, over 5 million parts in stock. you find it all right there on the web. And, again, if you want more, go to our website, kenthecontractor.com. Let's go back to the emails right now. Richard from Redding, Pennsylvania, has an issue that we're hearing more and more about, Ken, and that is black streaks on a roof. Yeah, we are. Richard says that the staining or streaks that, uh, first he says he's got a house, I should tell you this, that's six years old, and he thought when he built it he put some high-quality 40-year architectural shingles on it. They're composite shingles. So they're not very old, and they are a fairly thick shingle having a 40-year warranty behind those. And I wanted to lay this groundwork. He's got a lengthy question. I'm going to hit the highlights here. But he says, in the last year, I've been noticing two dark streaks developing on the roof. The shingles are normally pretty dark, but this is like a black streak in two areas. And I'm suspecting that it's roof mold of some type because it's the north-facing slope of the house, and it doesn't get an awful lot of sunlight. He has heard me talk about products that he can spray on that may get rid of this. He's got about 30 feet to go to the top. And I do have to read this on your behalf here, Richard, for our listening audience and for your wife and your family. He says, uh, he goes on and says, I really do not like to climb 30 feet in the air and to apply this product. He said, I'd rather not have my wife explain to the relatives why I was severely injured or died by falling off the roof. Now, Richard, I'm right there with you. So for any of you in this situation with Richard, you don't want to be climbing up on the roof, whether it's 12 feet off the ground or 30 feet off the ground. You want to hire a handy person or somebody that's licensed and insured to do these things for you. But the product that you've heard me talk about may be a couple of items. One is a product called Wet and Forget, and it is designed to use on roofs. Jim and I talk about it frequently on this show and other programs. You spray it on, it will gradually kill the mold, the mildew. It will dissipate over time. You don't have to rinse it off. You don't have to scrub it. Just the natural elements between the sunlight and the rain gradually allows it to kill the fungus and to wash it off, and it will restore the luster of your roof, and it will look fairly new again. Now, another product I talk about occasionally that I have used in the past is just a a mixture of water and oxygen bleach. Now, oxygen bleach is different from your standard chlorine bleach that you buy in a bottle, but you can use a solution of that. That can be sprayed on, and it will do the same thing without having to scrub this. What I don't recommend, Richard, for you or anybody else, and some people like to do this, but I don't recommend it, and that's to get on the roof, anybody with a pressure washer, 
it will get rid of the streaks, but it also damages the shingles. Even if you can't see it, even if you're not like Jim putting the mark of Zorro in things, it will still loosen and cause the granules on that shingle to dissipate pretty rapidly. So you're going to shorten the life cycle of these shingles. Then in 20 years, when you call the company on your 40-year roof and say, I've got a problem, they're going to be able to identify it and say, sorry, Charlie, no warranty here. So don't get up on that roof with a power washer. Use some of these products that will take care of it. And by all means, I don't want you having your wife to explain what happened to you, why you broke your hip or your leg on the roof. So definitely hire a pro to come out and do it. Pay just a few bucks, save your health and your your household welfare, and save a few dollars in the long run. Thanks for sending that in, and good luck to you, Richard. Again, these are emails from our website, KenTheContractor.com. Got time for one more quick one? I think we can sneak this one in. comes to us from Melvin in Roanoke, Virginia. said, I have an addition underway to my home, and it includes a basement. The present house does not have one. My contractor tells me he only needs to apply a coating of tar over the basement block for waterproofing. Now, I've spoken with friends who think something more is needed for long-term performance. Are they right, or is the tar just fine? Well, Melvin, I'm going to side with your friends and neighbors as a contractor. Tar meets the intent of the building code. It is a waterproofing agent. But you've also told me in this email that you have a block foundation. And if it were solid concrete, I would be maybe not as reluctant, although I've never used tar myself. I always use a more sophisticated uh, and more solid waterproofing agent. For anybody that's got a block foundation, I'm going to suggest to you that you investigate using a spray-on coating. There are different brands. One is called Rubber Wall, and R-U-B-R-W-W-A-L-L. It's a national product, and it, when it's sprayed on, it sets up like a solid sheet of rubber. What it does is allow block work, and it will expand and contract. You may get hairline cracks, not because the builder did it wrong, but because that's what happens with concrete sometimes. You may get cracks in the mortar joints. You may get cracks even in the solid wall where some of the ties or forms were put together. When you use a product like rubber wall, it expands and contracts with that wall. It doesn't tear. It's like an inner tube, if any of you have ever played with that uh, an inner tube and see how it stretches and expands and contracts so that water cannot get into the cracks in the wall. So for my money, even in my own projects, my own development, I've invested in rubber wall and similar products and have never put tar on and that's my recommendation to you, Melvin. It's going to cost you a few more dollars, but you won't have to worry about water issues coming through any cracks that develop over time. Tar just sounds like something Andy Griffith and Goober would use. Well, you know, it worked for many years and long before these other items were there, but you're right, it does. It's kind of, a, I think, a makeshift by today's standards. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor, where folks come for professional answers. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or online at KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.